right? Because you can have millions of dollars of equipment in that lab, and you can have the best and the brightest, brightest students in that lab. But if you can't connect with with business or or government through your proposals or whatever, if you can't connect with them in a way that conveys how you help them solve their problems and the return that they're going to get from giving you their dollars, then you're not going to be able to put that equipment to much use. Welcome to the Helium Podcast. We believe researchers should only struggle to solve the problems of scientific inquiry, and the rest should be a bunch simpler. I'm Christine. And I'm Matt. And we're your hosts for Helium Podcast. In this episode, Shannon Guild shares with us here some very specific things that academic researchers can do to brand themselves and create really effective websites, which is not only interesting, but it's also in line with, if you remember, um, Dr. Jose Serrato mentioning in episode two how important it is to intentionally decide where your own specific compass points so that you know that and so you can communicate it to others. We talk with her here about practical approaches to developing this targeted messaging. Shannon Guild is a co-founder of Three Moons Collective and her business partner is Beth Brandt. They help academics and research centers communicate clearly to attract research and collaboration opportunities. And in fact, we're going to jump in with a quick reminder here that we're collaborating with them on a website called MyProfessorWebsite.com. And MyProfessorWebsite.com is about creating standout websites with strong messaging for academics. Check out the site for a free guide on the top five things a great research group website should include. All right, let's roll the interview with Shannon Guild. We're welcoming to the show today, Shannon Guild from Three Moons Collective. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to the Helium podcast today. Thank you. My pleasure. So Shannon, I know I'm interested. I'm sure others will want to hear, you know, just could you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do uh, with the academic crowd and how you came to be doing that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. First of all, it's not just me at Three Moons Collective. I do have a business partner named Beth, who is amazing. Uh, and she and I have been working together for several years now, helping businesses and academic institutions really clarify the core message of who they are and, um, and who they help and how they help them in the greater scheme of, you know, solving complex problems and, and making the world a better place. So, we really help folks kind of cut to the core of that message and then also from there create a really polished and professional web presence and like a slew of marketing materials to help them really attract who they're trying to attract. What would you say are kind of the biggest mistakes you see people making that keep them from presenting that distilled message that that you think right away, like you said, oh, this is a juicy one. What Are there a kind of a top five list of things that you think people just are getting wrong out there? You know, I don't even think it has to be a top five. I think it's like a top one or two, to be honest. And I always like to say mm-hmm. in fairness to our, to our academics out there is that, look, you've been uh, maybe groomed in an environment where it is in your nature now to present all of the information, right? So it's, it's what the problem is and it's how you fix the problem or, or what the research showed and all of the citations and the facts. And, and that's a part of the program. 
so, so what I'm talking about, I know is a little counterintuitive, right? Of like, wait, 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 you want me to just distill this down to three key points? Say what? (laughs) Um, so, so, so the biggest mistake is just really that, that difficulty in clearing away all of the steps of how you did something and just cutting to the core of, of who you are and what you do and why that matters in the bigger picture and just keeping it that way. And then allowing a clear pathway, if you will, let's say from that homepage of your website to get to all of those other places. Um, but not coming out of the gate with it, like boom, right there. First thing you see. So that is definitely the, the first and, and largest mistake. I would say the second thing I would chime in on is that I don't think that enough of our academic institutions or, or research centers are really thinking about themselves as businesses. They're thinking about themselves as research centers. And both of those things are true. And I would argue equally important, right? Because you can have millions of dollars of equipment in that lab and you can have the best and the brightest, brightest students in that lab. But if you can't connect with with business or, or government through your proposals or whatever, if you can't connect with them in a way that conveys how you help them solve their problems and the return that they're going to get from giving you their dollars, then you're not going to be able to put that equipment to much use. So it's, it's sort of this transition in thinking of, you know, yes, I run this lab. Yes, I run the center, but I am also a business owner and it's my job to make sure that this is a profitable business that has scale to grow. You know, thinking about that, I wonder if you have like an anecdote or, or a success story that you could point to and sort of how you had to, you know, you don't have to give away anybody's identity here, but maybe how you had to kind of wrestle some things off of the homepage and clarify the message. And, and then maybe some of the changes that a research center or professor saw due to those changes being made. Yeah. And can I first also say that I have become really, uh, I, I have enhanced my knowledge base on a variety of research topics <laughs> in doing this work because as the person who's working closely, uh, with the professors to help them distill that message and sort of transform it into a more oftentimes layman's explanation, if you will, um, I have to basically learn that stuff to be able to transform ah. it to that other set of language. So, yeah. um, so that has been a fun journey for me, for sure. But we have had several professors tell us, and, and I won't name names just for confidentiality reasons, but um, that the way that they've been able to interact with businesses and just the reception that they're getting from them and actually people seeking them out now as opposed to them hunting for the work, so to speak. Um, and that's, that's a combination of a lot of different things, like some search engine optimization. And, and maybe we can touch on that in a bit, but, um, yeah, we're, we're hearing things quite a bit about how this is making a difference because if you want to connect with somebody, you have to speak their language. And if you're speaking with an executive from a company who's interested in some research being done, like they're interested in the end result. They're interested in the benefit for solving the problem, but they don't necessarily speak the the jargon that maybe you're used to speaking on a daily basis. So if you want to connect, you just 
you have to speak the same language. So I have to ask a follow-up question here. Uh, the it's kind of a tangent, but I, I guess your pro- your high school science teachers are probably proud of you. <laughs> I wonder what <laughs> I wonder what the I wonder what the subject area that's that's uh, been most interesting for you out of all the ones that you've uh, you've kind of been dealing with. You're like, oh, this is really cool. Just a funny question. Reverse osmosis. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> the cool one. It's a cool one. It's <laughs> seismic activity. Oh, that is that's a lot of a, different things going on. That's kind of a terrifying one, though. You're like, I probably don't want to know more about this. <laughs> it's like the yeah curse of knowledge, right? Yeah, I- ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, to go back to something you said earlier, Shannon, when you were saying that whoever these people are trying to connect to attract. And as you said, you know, if you want to connect with someone, they have to understand what you're offering and why you would be useful to them. So do you have a sense of, you know, having mentioned that you're seeing that some professors are finding that they're kind of now not having to push out their existence. They're sometimes being found. Um, what is the range of people that the, these folks are trying to attract and, have there been groups that they didn't realize they could reach, you know, um, and more types of people that they are trying to attract than they were maybe first thinking? Yeah, I'll answer with an example, if that's okay. Um, And I I think this is all a part of, again, putting your business owner hat on. Uh, The day you took over your, your lab or the day that you you know, put, put, your research center was, was open for business, so to speak. You weren't necessarily always given training on how to, in fact, run it as a business. So not all of these things come natural, which is understandable. And, and that is where uh, the partnership that we've had with certain folks has really been, I would say, beneficial because we wear the business hat all the time. And so maybe we're seeing some, some connections or some opportunities that you wouldn't have normally seen. So I'll, to cite an example, um, working with a research center in Wyoming on produced water management. And when that center started, it was really geared towards produce water in oil and gas and, and sort of going down that path. But then we think about, okay, well, what about the flip side of that? What about the flip side of produced water? It's the opposite of of oil and gas, but it's the more environmentally uh, driven causes and groups and whatnot. So what about if we think about that market as well? And then talking more, brainstorming more, okay, but what about all of the different technologies and all of the different, you know, green businesses and, you know, save the world types of, of newer companies that are emerging now in this space? What about connecting with investors, venture capitalists that are putting their money into some of these uh, startup seeding, you know, funding and whatnot, they want to know that that uh, the companies they're investing in have a viable product or a viable solution. So, what about if we connected with the people who are funding the companies and let them know, hey, we've got somebody, uh, you've got somebody in your back pocket should you need them to help your investment along. So. I would say as the synergies start to happen and the, and the business conversations continue and the brainstorming 
uh, widens, you just realize that, hey, maybe we weren't thinking big enough here. Maybe there's some other areas that that we could really make an impact with. And that's the fun part for us. That's great. And especially in this changing climate of the funding landscape, you know, we, we realize there's less and less government funding available and that kind of creativity, you know, beyond the communication of the website, but extending to the broader strategy of the whole group is, seems really powerful. And your time spent on proposals in those environments are, is much lower also. <laughs> That's music to the ears of the, of the audience. <laughs> I figured. See, speaking the language. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to go back actually to, because people I think may be confused about how someone would find them necessarily, because I mean, you, you mentioned something, a concept called search engine optimization earlier, which is commonly known in jargon as SEO. So if people hear SEO, they, they, that's, that means search engine optimization. Uh, in terms of what you at three moons collective do with people to try to get it so that if there's a Silicon Valley investor, uh, who's typing in their Google search bar, uh, looking for, let's say, produce water. Uh, how, how, how are you working with the centers and the, and the individual professors perhaps to try to make, make it so that they're appearing on that first page of the search? Because that's really where most people click, right? So think just getting, yeah. maybe not get too technical about it, but just thinking about explaining how this process works for people. I, I think it's fairly safe to say that for the most part, we understand how Google works, right? It's like a high school popularity contest. <laughs> Google is going to suggest things to you that everybody else likes too. And so that's certainly a part of, of having a positive search ranking is it's just merely a numbers game, right? So there's, there's not like one super concise answer for this. Um, but in re with regards to optimizing as best as you can control, particularly starting out of the gate, you first have to understand what people are searching for to begin with, to find the kind of services or research that you provide. And that is not necessarily the words that you think. So again, I'm going back to speaking the language here. It's all, it's all rooting back into that connection, but let's say you, okay, let's say you do, you, or a treatment center for produced water, as we were talking about. Is that what somebody is searching for necessarily? Produced water management, even though that's what you think you do? Or are they maybe searching for uh, water treatment solutions, for example, right? And, and some of that is just thinking, again, outside of your jargon to more practical other terms that may be searched, but there's also a science to it where there are some technical tools that can be used, you know, behind that curtain, so to speak of the website and behind the web to actually take the guesswork out of it and figure out what everybody is searching. So it's a two-step process, right? You come up with some words that you think are popular. Then we take a look and say, um, yes, these were, no, these weren't. And from there we develop a list of what's called keywords, so now you have these words that you know are very important for people searching on Google, and you want to make sure that you mention those words as much as you can throughout your website without being, you know, overly obvious about it, <laughs> if you will. So it's, it's a bit of a balance of art and science, but 
You just want to make sure that you're including the words that people are looking for so that Google can find you. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you don't want to just like have a page that says water treatment solutions, water treatment solutions, water treatment solutions, right? Yeah. And you have to actually have legible a, um, text on there. Yeah. And, 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 and Google's not a dummy, yeah. I will say. So, so they're going to catch on to that yeah. and they will, would actually rank you lower uh-huh. because they think you're cheating. They're smarter than you are. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're definitely cheating that way. But yeah, there's a careful balance with their algorithm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that you come across people that say this is a great idea, but I, I just need to do this myself. Have you, do you have any advice for somebody that maybe isn't able to allot some of their startup package to hire people for packages that might be just really low entry point for them to attempt this on their own? Yeah. And, and again, like it's, I think about, I think about them like a business. Not every startup business is created equal in funding, right? Mm-hmm. So, Certainly, as your department or your center grows and you're bringing in more projects, perhaps there is a need, or there there could be an option to expand your web presence and expand some of that outreach. Those those types of things. So, I would say the key for somebody just starting out, if their budget is limited and and they want to do more of a DIY approach, would be at least get clear about some core. Uh, some core positioning. Even if you have a, a website that just has a few pages on it, you know, if the, if your homepage tells who you are and what you do and the problems you solve and it includes how somebody can connect with you, right? Like the appropriate call to action. Um, that is a solid, solid start that you can expand from. I would say rather than including pages and pages of uh, publications, Shorten it up, turn them into case studies, if you will, that are just can succinctly explain to somebody, this was the problem they had, and here's a paragraph or two about what they did to fix it, and this was the outcome. If you can highlight a few case studies, if you can, you know, put a focus on some students probably makes sense there for you as well. And, and simple is, is totally okay right out of the gate, but make sure that you know that no business is going to stay alive if they are not playing offense at least part of the time, right? So mm-hmm. just because you don't have a huge budget doesn't mean that you get to take your foot off the gas in terms of seeking out that that funding or those collaborative opportunities or whatnot. So there's never enough time in the day, and I totally get that, but there just has to be some time, whether it's on a weekly basis uh, or, or even a monthly basis carved out for this proactive uh, outreach types of, of things, sales, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I guess my advice would be get an intern. <laughs> uh-huh. <Yeah. laughs> that was yeah. actually going to be related to a follow-up question. I had. Well, I was just going to say that um, I think oftentimes we think in, in our own departments, like, oh, I need one of my students uh, or, or somebody who knows all of this, all of this, um, jargon and, and processes and, and this and that and what have you. That, I think, go get an, uh, go get yourself an intern from, from the marketing department, actually. Like, 
collaborate with some other departments on campus that can give you the skills that you might not have. Uh, yeah. To me, seems like it would be a no brainer. Christina, I'll, I'll let you answer your follow up, uh, ask your follow up question here, but I often find that people just hire, they don't even hire them. They just direct a graduate student from their lab to update their website. And oftentimes that person is in the worst position to do what you're suggesting, Shannon, because they're just, yes. they're just learning the jargon themselves, much less being able to understand it on a high enough level to translate it into like general terms. So if, if you want to make your website jargon free, um, no offense to any graduate students out there, but that's probably not the best person to be doing that. The marketers, you're going to have to spend some time with the marketing intern, but the, the marketing intern is probably going to know at least like a educated person's level of what, would be expected when a business person perhaps came to your webpage. So it's, it's almost like a person on your team that already needs to be spoken to in these terms. Kind of along the lines of this intern student focus that you touched on a little bit, Shannon is, you know, another goal in addition to attracting funding to keep the research going that a, a new professor has is to kind of create a pipeline of incoming students, but also to place their students as they graduate and to really elevate the profile of, of the scholars they're trying to build. So that is a place just from my experience looking at websites that is, I haven't seen a lot of attention placed. Usually it's just kind of a landing pad name, you know, maybe their email, but there's a wide variety of detail levels that people put in, what they're working on or not. But could you talk a little bit about what you think is um, the optimal relationship to students within a professor's website? To the best of my ability, I will. It'll just be more like my two cents, if that's okay. <laughs> so to me, this just feels like it's one big collaborative circle where everybody wins if it's, if it's a team approach. So when, when you think about the messaging that is, that a research center is putting out there to attract research or grants or whatnot, it's again, centered in this, here's the problems we solve. Here's how we're making the world a better place. Here's how we're collaborating to attack, attack these complex situations type of a thing. I think those are also the same types of messages from an attraction standpoint that our students need to hear because that's, that's what they're interested in hearing when they're making selections about where they're going to, you know, where they're going to go get their PhD or whatnot. So on the front end, that kind of all plays together in the same fashion on the more the back end. And as they're already there and they're doing the work and they're being positioned on the website properly, um, I actually think it's critical that there is a spotlight on them for two reasons. Number one, the businesses want to know who's going to be working on their stuff, right? So the more that you can shine a spotlight on the talented professionals, students, groups, what have you, that are the ones actually making things happen behind the curtain, I think that you're, the more you can do that, the better because it, 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 it almost removes the ambiguity of like, okay, but who's actually doing the work? And so when you can, when you can sell your students in that way and project them like the true pros that, that they are and that you're, you know, teaching them to be, 
that's good for them and it's, it's good for the businesses because there's that transparency there. But then also it just feels like a very natural tee up. Like the more you can involve them in that spotlight, the more they're positioned, um, to be, I mean, it, to me, it just feels like a natural, I wouldn't say recruiting grounds that might be a little bit too, too direct, but it's, it's, I mean, clearly these, these folks are all going to be looking for jobs within a couple of years. Right. So what a natural way to connect people. Yeah. I love that thought. I think, uh, in our, in our research center, the center that I work with, one of the, the points made by the federal funding agency is that the students are actually a major product of the center. People look and see the technology and that's what they think is being funded. But the future of the industry, which is the students, which are the students, excuse me, that's one of the major products that they're looking at coming out of the center. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And our industry members also uh, love talking to and getting together with our students. So that I would, I would, repeat what you said there, Shannon, and, and emphasize it for anybody who's questioning how much to highlight their students. So we've taken a, a, a lot of your time today. So we, I know that we wanted to talk about one last thing. We've, we're collaborating on a project here and we've put together a special website. Normally we point people to the show notes and of course there'll be show notes for this episode, but we've actually put together a special website where uh, Helium Team Helium is, is collaborating with Three Moons Collective and the website, the website address is myprofessorwebsite.com. And Shannon, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about, we've, we've got a guide on there that people can download if they just want to get started with some of these questions, because this was a pretty wide ranging interview. But if someone wants a very succinct PDF guide, they could go there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we've created a, uh, a resource called the business of academia and, you know, you've heard me stress the term business a few times throughout this, this podcast, but I really want to encourage you to start thinking of yourself as a business owner. And with that comes, comes the need to really think about, okay, what value am I bringing to the table here? How am I helping people, you know, in, increase their revenues? How am I helping people solve their problems? And so I, I realized that those types of things might not just come supernatural and just roll right off the top of your head to be able to answer them. So that's why we created this resource. There's six key questions on there. It's a, it's a pretty short and sweet guide. Again, I know you're busy, uh, but there's six key questions to ask yourself to really help you uncover some of these things that you've heard me talk about that need to be front and center on that homepage of your website. Um, and frankly, in, in networking conversations that you have at conferences, like the great thing about this messaging and about this clarity is that it's not like you just throw it on your website and it's done. Um, you kind of eat, live and breathe it. And it's a part of the conversations that you're having with people so that when, um, you know, when you're at that networking reception and somebody asks you what you do or, or what your center is all about, it, it flows a little bit easier and you can answer that question in a way that, that, has them maybe raising their eyebrows going, huh, tell me a little more about that. That's, that's sounds like something, you know, that maybe I would be interested in hearing more about. So, uh, anyway, download the guide. It's a fantastic resource. And in a simple way, it will help you really answer some of these questions and start, you know, heading down that, down that path for yourself and your center. Well, I think that's a really solid way to leave it. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Shannon. And, for partnering with us to bring those 
those pointers to folks. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This has been fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to episode five of Helium Podcasts. Go to www.teamhelium.co slash episode five for the show notes. Helium Podcast is brought to you by myprofessorwebsite.com. One way to elevate your research is great communication, which requires strong messaging about the value you bring. My Professor website helps academics grow their influence and impact by creating top-tier websites that attract excellent students, collaborators, and funding opportunities. If you want to help spread the word about our podcast, please go to www.teamhelium.co slash review it, all one word. There you will find instructions on how to review our podcast, which is the best way for others to find us, except, of course, for a personal referral. Our music is written by Michael Blake of Portland, Oregon. You can find him on SoundCloud or at www.mblakemusic.com. Helium Podcast is produced and edited by us, Matt Hotze and Christine Ogilvie-Endren.